Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined by you guys. Today, I am here with you. The point of these shows is to open up the discussion to you, the listener, the viewer, for those of you who are watching right now live on YouTube. If you are watching, please do hit that subscribe button. Um, it really helps the show. We want to continue this growth that we have been uh, writing recently. So hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, comment away, fire away with your questions. I will be answering those over the course of the show. There is uh, a topic that I would like to hit on uh, before I get to those questions, um, whether they come in the form of five-star reviews on iTunes, which is the best way to get your topic covered on the show. On these Friday shows, I get so many questions and comments and stuff that I kind of lose track of them. The first place that I check is iTunes, the the mailbag that I get from iTunes and those five-star reviews because those also really help the shows. Um, and, and, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's going to be the plan for the show. I do have a little bit of show news uh, for those of you who uh, watch the show live and for those of you who leave uh super comments they blow me away the fact that you guys are willing to support the show in that way and i always appreciate them and i've been trying to figure out a way to thank you in a way that i think is consistent with kind of the the uh the image of this show right the brand of this show and uh i think i found the perfect way so every time i get a super comment and i read i read it on the air and I read all of the super comments on the air. Every time I get one, I'm going to play a clip that is near and dear to the heart. It is uh, one of the, I think, utmost forms of art in the history of television, 
video and language, quite frankly, uh, it is this one. Fuck Washington! Want it, want it again? I think I'm, I'm going to play it again. Fuck Washington! Yeah. Yeah, so that is going to be the plan. Every time you leave a uh, super comment, I am going to be playing that clip when I read the comment and when I get to that comment, and I always get to them. I think I missed the very first one because it took me by such surprise. But ever since then, I've gotten to every single super comment that you guys have left. And now there is a reward to them. You get to say that, hey, you helped bless people with that <laughs> clip um, on it, on the given show that you left that super comment. So that is the, the, the kind of new aspect of the show or addition to the show that I'm very excited about. And, uh, and I hope to be able to use it over the course of this episode. So um, what I wanted to start with before I get to your guys' questions, and I already have a bunch of them, uh, a bunch of good ones. What I wanted to get to is I have been doing a lot of reporting over the course of the season on the vibes within the locker room right? And the sentiment towards Darvin Ham and kind of how guys are operating or feeling kind of um, it within, within those uh, the, the confines of the Lakers locker room um, earlier this year, right? I had uh, a story go kind of viral for um, you know, with, with some of the people in the organization wondering what was going on Um with Darvin Ham and, and Austin and how Darvin didn't necessarily mess with Austin and the way that people around the team and uh, within the organization uh, felt like Darvin should feel or, you know, mess with Austin. Um, and, uh, you know, that went, you know, that did its own, it created its own stir and created its own buzz. I've been talking all season about how last year's core, the core six from last year's postseason team, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, LeBron AD, Rui Hachimura, and Jerry, Jared Vanderbilt um, have been frustrated. Members from that core have been frustrated with the fact that this season was supposed to feature um, consistency and it was supposed to build on the success that that core enjoyed last year on that run all the way to the Western conference finals. And they've been wondering like, what's, what the deal, what's the deal. And I've always said, right. I, I, uh, as much as I would like to report good news to this point in the season, a lot of the stuff that I've been hearing hasn't been very good. And like the Lakers for most of the season have been at or around 500 and the vibes mostly have been pretty shitty. So I'm happy to report now, though, that now that the, the that the starting five is made up of all guys from last year's core, and now that Darvin Ham has kind of gotten out of their way and is relying on those guys a little bit more. Now, unfortunately, it's coming after Jared Vanderbilt appears to be lost for the season. Uh, we'll hopefully get an update on that, an official update on that from the Lakers on the other side of the All-Star break. But... I am here to say you per uh, the people that I've been talking to, um, you know, from in and around the Lakers, uh, the, the vibes are a lot better. Everybody feels quite a bit better. Now, does that mean that everybody is fully trusting of Darvin Ham and that everything is hunky dory and that everything is behind them? 
I wouldn't quite go that far. I think uh, a lot of the guys are still kind of looking at him sideways a little bit, wondering like what the hell took so long. Um, and I think there is a, um, I think there is an aspect of, of context that should be added to the story, right? That it does make sense for Darwin to kind of fiddle with the roster a little bit and see what he has, knowing that he can go back to that core from last year, eventually when they really need to rack up wins. And there were injuries and um, fatigue coming off of the um, off season from some of the guys that made them lesser players. And Darwin had to rely a little bit more heavily on guys who weren't feeling those injuries or fatigue. And that is worth considering as well. So it's not to say that it is all Darwin's fault, a hundred percent Darwin's fault. There is context that you always need to take into account, but as guys have gotten healthier and as guys have gotten back into the swing of things and in terms of their conditioning and uh, readiness for this season, um, they have been kind of waiting for this type of a starting lineup, whether it was Rui in it as it, as it is currently or before Jared Vanderbilt got hurt, the plan was actually to get him into that starting group. Unfortunately it was against Boston. And as you guys recall, LeBron and AD didn't play in that game. But you did see that group, you did see that team play some pretty inspired basketball. And I do think that um, that was kind of the turning point in terms of the vibes within the locker room as everybody there kind of looked around at each other and said, all right, let's get it. Let's show this guy that you should have been relying on us more all this time. And now you combine that turning point with the... uh, with the winning that the Lakers have done of late and you head into the all-star break now with real tangible momentum and positive vibes. That feels good, right? Like it's, it's the kind of thing that you can, uh, you can really look at here and, and, you know, feel confident in, in the direction that things are heading in. Um, I don't see a reason for Darvin to go back to, you know, uh, you know, back away from the guys who got him to the Western Conference Finals, injuries notwithstanding. I don't see a reason why they would go, um, you know, why, why you would, uh, you know, really kind of tempt fate with, with, you know, messing again with this rotation as now you are at that part of the year where you really have to rack up wins. I would argue that you needed to rack up wins while you had LeBron and AD healthy for the first half of the season. But now that's behind you. That is all done. All you can do now is, is control what you can control. And I think that is the Lakers focus now. Um, And they are, you know, they are going about that focus and they are, uh, you know, pursuing a six or higher seed with, you know, better momentum and better vibes because, Darvin Ham has finally kind of gotten out of the way of those guys who went on that run last year. They were hoping to be in a better spot going into the all-star break, and they were hoping to be out of the play-in um, in, in a way that you wouldn't have to fight, scratch, and claw for playoff seating. But I will say this, the West is so good that I think that was probably mostly unavoidable, you know, whether it was fighting for home court or whether it was fighting to remain um, out of the play-in or whatever. The West is so good this year that it was going to be a dogfight from start to finish, no matter what your goal was, and no matter how the first half of the season went. 
So now I think everybody can just kind of take a deep breath, <laughs> breath, <laughs> rest. Um, I'm hungry is the thing. Um, and, and I'm barbecuing chicken breast tonight. So that is why it is on my, on my mind, but, um, kicks even a butte. I, the, the plan here is to, you know, really catch some rest here and be ready to go on the other side of this all-star break and, and, you know, come into it with the understanding that finally this coaching staff has stopped effing around and stopped finding out. And now they are going to, to really kind of rely on those guys. And I think, um, nobody, you know, kind of per personifies that vibe and, and that approach more than Rui Hachimura, whose role this year has been toyed with all season. Um, his minutes have been toyed with all season. And, and I think he more than just about anybody else from that core last year is sitting here saying like, let's go. And that you look, you look, I, that isn't just me doing any, you know, doing additional reporting here. This is me saying, Look at the quotes that he's giving you. I gave that quote uh, yesterday with Aaron about how, you know, uh, he's been telling guys all season, we're here waiting, we're here waiting. Let's just get going. And now they can finally go, right? They can, they've been basically, um, you know, we have seen, uh, we have seen a whole bunch of, of uh, looks and, and lineups and stuff that have been, that we hadn't seen to this point in the season. I think there is going to be more of a reliance on those lineups that have had success this season because it is time to win basketball games. So that's, that's exciting. I I'm, I'm, I've told you guys, I, you know, when I do my reporting, all I can present is the facts. All I can present is the stuff that I'm hearing. And to this point, the stuff that I've been hearing has been mo mostly frustration as you would anticipate from a team that has a healthy LeBron and a healthy Anthony Davis and has toiled around mediocrity for the, the bulk of this season. Now, however, I do have some positive information to relay, and I'm happy to do it. I was happy to hear the positive information. And here we go. We do have our first super comment from Jason Kelly, which means I get to play this show's favorite clip. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. 
That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Jason Kelly writes, uh, what's the best and worst matchups for the Lakers in the playoffs? What do you think about the possibility of passing teams in front of us uh, or the standings? So, all right. Uh, the best and worst matchups, honestly, like best is basically anybody. I think the Lakers can beat just about anybody. I really like them against the Warriors, but I don't think that's really going to matter unless you play them in the play-in. Um, I like them against Phoenix uh, because I think they're physical enough and Phoenix relies really heavily on jump shots. And I don't know how well that's going to go in the postseason. Um, I like them against OKC because OKC doesn't really have the experience and you're going to be going up against LeBron there who has like the most playoff experience of anybody in the league and anybody of his generation, basically. So I think those are the three teams I would probably circle as like, I would kind of like to see them. Um, the Clippers are going to be kind of tough because I think they just have a very deep and versatile roster. Um, I'm not going to crown them in the way that, you know, we see every time they do anything whatsoever. Um, I, I'm a little iffy about, um, Minnesota because I do feel like this is kind of the Anthony Edwards year where we look back on it. We're like, Oh my God, this is the year that he really came out this weekend. I think is going to, I really wish he would have done, done the dunk contest this year because I think that would have been like his kind of coming out party. We'll see what he does at the all-star game. Um, and then uh, I think, you know, the worst matchup, the the team that I do not want to see at all in the postseason, uh, even though, you know, you're going to, because you have to get through them to get to the, po- to the, to the finals is the Denver Nuggets. They just, they just have the Lakers number, right? They've beaten them. I think seven times in a row. Now, they seem to beat them the same way every effing time, no matter who was available, no matter who was playing how. Um, it's just, it's a very, very good team that knows, you know, that just knows that they are going to beat the Lakers. And I think the Lakers kind of know that they are going to get beaten by the Denver Nuggets. So until I see any new information there, that is the team I desperately want to avoid, but know that you aren't going to be able to avoid them because you are going to have to go through them to get to the finals. In the East, there isn't a team that I'm concerned about, like that that I don't think the Lakers can beat. Uh, you know, there there are worse matchups than others. You know, uh, but overall, I think the West is so much better than the East uh, again. And um, you know, just getting out of the, the West, I think, would be kind of the championship. And then it's just a matter of taking care of business, um, depending on whoever you face in the finals. Um, all right. I'm going to answer a, um, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to expand the use. Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, this is going to be a, uh, I, I got one iTunes question and one five-star iTunes review that I have to answer here. Um, so appreciate this from fat daddy Moses saying, uh, quote, I know it's pessimistic, but it feels like the Westbrook trade pretty much closed LeBron and the Lakers title window. You can't recover fully from that. If LeBron leaves the Lakers this summer, you got to trade AD2 and start a new era. All right. So I think I look a good friend of mine, friend of the show, friend of all of my content, just like legitimately one of my favorite people on planet Earth, Damon Rangula, um, tweeted essentially this. And I didn't want to like, quote tweet him and and disagree with him there because I 
I, I just feel like quote tweeting and disagreeing is kind of petulant and, and, and unnecessarily rude. Um, but you know, and I would, I would love to have this conversation with him. Maybe we'll talk about this. I, Dom and come on the show and I will, and we'll talk this out, but I, I, I can understand where that sentiment would come from. I understand that, you know, and I think the rest, the, the Russell Westbrook trade has really kind of put a magnifying glass on a lot of the Lakers internal issues. And in that way, because they haven't been able to address some of those internal issues, that's the only way that I'm willing to say that that has ended this title window, because um, whether it's the, uh, you know, in you know the, the the way that the 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 leadership in the organization has really kind of incubated itself from criticism is a really bad thing that uh, really gets in the way of of what the Lakers are trying to accomplish. That hasn't been addressed right. They haven't hired some. They haven't brought somebody in from like from not Genie's circle to to help address some some of that. Um, I think. Uh, the the front office being as thin as it is leads to some faulty process and the front office hasn't really been added to. And so that, you know, that is obviously where, you know, worthy of concern. Um, but like I could, and you could say that like the same process and the same issues that led to trading for Russell Westbrook also led to letting Alex Caruso walk um, and if you're saying that like that is what closed the Lakers title window, then okay, I'm willing to listen to that. But I'm not going to ever close the the window absolutely while LeBron is playing the way that he somehow still is at the age of 39 and while Anthony Davis is playing the way he is this season. You could make a real argument that the only time we have ever seen Anthony Davis play better than he is right now was in the bubble when he somehow became like Jason Capono <laughs> with Anthony Davis's body, right? Where he was shooting the way that he was. And, you know, he being like Ray Allen plus the best defense that you could possibly ever see was what the Lakers had. And, and that anchored that playoff run while LeBron, by the way, was still playing, uh, like, you know, you could really make a case better than he was has, as he's been, um, ever as a Laker. So, um, but still, like Anthony Davis playing the way that he is, the facilitating, he's shooting more confidently again, which opens up a lot offensively. LeBron is shooting the ball really well this season. And uh, I, I tend to think that while those guys are healthy and while those guys are playing the way that they have this season, the Lakers have a legitimate chance against anybody in any series other than the Nuggets. And, um, and I, uh, you know, I'm I'm because the the problem with like admitting that the playoff window is shut is that you like the next logical step, as is pointed out in that question, is well then why are we trying? Go ahead and hit reset, send LeBron somewhere and bring in assets to start the rebuild, send Anthony Davis elsewhere and bring in assets to help with the rebuild. And I'm not willing to go that far. I don't, I don't frankly, I don't trust this organization right now with a full on rebuild that would feature trading away LeBron James and trading away Anthony Davis. Like, I, I just don't think they're equipped for that. Um, I think your best chance is to add, you know, the, the, the superstar 
who kind of plays with LeBron and then plays beyond LeBron um, while LeBron is here with LeBron being like the carrot that brings in that player. You know, um, I was told recently that there is some uh, legitimate kind of buzz around the league uh, about Donovan Mitchell, for example, that like there's a, you know, there are some who do think that, you know, by the end of this contract or, or as he approaches the end of this contract, um, you know, Cleveland would be well served to send him somewhere before they lose him for nothing at the end of the contract. So, yeah, I, I just I, I'm not I'm not willing to to just kind of batten down the hatches and and, you know, strip apart a team that I still think is capable of competing for a championship uh, just because of the one bad trade. I think that bad trade highlights a lot of the things that the Lakers have to address and haven't addressed in ways that I would like them to. But I, I do think that is it is a team. It is a core. It is an organization that is still capable of winning a championship while you have LeBron and AD. And I'm not giving up on it yet. I'm, I'm stubborn in that way, I guess. Um, all right, let's go ahead and go to the questions that I fielded from Twitter. While I have been talking, I got 16 of them. Um, so shouts to shouts to everybody for uh, for the input. You guys like the, the support that I've been feeling basically since the reporting started here. Um, I greatly appreciate it, man. It is truly uh, mind boggling the way that you guys have gotten behind the show. Um, the first question that I have is. Um, from Zangerstein, I'm going on a different route here. What do you think of your audience and the Lakers fandom in general? Are we just delusional and spoiled and wanting unrealistic expectations for the team? Or are we mostly smart in basketball context and know if the team and the front office has it or not? Man, that's a fun one. I, all right. So one thing I'm not going to do is paint an entire fan base with a broad brush. Right. I'm not going to do that other than the Boston one that I think all sucks. Um, I'm not going to paint any single fan base with it with a single broad brush. Um, again, excluding the Boston Celtics fan base, which all sucks. <laughs> but uh, the the what I would say about Lakers fans, we are spoiled. I am 100 percent OK with saying that we are spoiled because we are like it's it's you know we have been spoiled by success any organization that enjoys the amount of successes the lakers organization has provided to its fan base that fan base is going to be inherently spoiled compared to others and i can say this because i'm also a vikings fan um you know i i know what it's like to root for a team that at the beginning of every season i never feel like the the vikings are going to win a super bowl ever they've never even been to the super bowl um in my lifetime like it's just it, they have always sucked they have they've had flashes right you had the 15 and 1 randy moss team that um you know broke my heart you had uh, you've had other teams that have like you know been surprisingly good and 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 had the chance to make some noise right the they got to the nfc championship and got absolutely steamrolled by the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, right? It's I've, I've seen them have success, but at the beginning of every year, I never go into it thinking like, all right, this is the year. We're winning the championship this year. I just can't because it's never happened. Whereas like with the Lakers, 
for, I think I am 37 years old. I would have to go through, I would have to go through like year by year, but I would say for those 37 years, and I would say I've paid attention to, you know, closely paid attention to about 31 of them. We'll say 30. We'll make it a nice round number. So of those 30 years that I've paid close attention to the Lakers and really truly looked forward to uh, N NBA seasons, I would say in at least 15 of those, I have felt like the Lakers could win a championship. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Of those 30 years that I have paid close attention to the Los Angeles Lakers, I have been able to watch teams win six championships. So that means 20% of the time, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, one-fifth of the NBA seasons that I have watched, the Lakers have won a championship, right? So, of course, I'm going to be spoiled. Like, of course. <laughs> like that's how that's that's how that's going to go, right? Like, of course, I'm going to look at at the Lakers and hold them to a higher standard because it's a standard that they themselves have set. They themselves flaunt Lakers exceptionalism. There's a whole podcast called the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast, right? It's with friend of the show, Cranjus, um, and you know who who I I really really respect, right? And and that show that branding. That sentiment, it just emanates from this organization and they profit off of it. They market it. They bottle it up and they serve it to you as you walk into uh, Staples Center or, sorry, Money Laundering. Nope, uh, Crypto.com Arena. Like, it is a team that, that, like, fosters that sentiment. And, of course, we are spoiled. And, of course, we can be petulant. And, of course, I want us to continue to be that. I want us to continue to hold these guys to a really high standard because that's the standard they set. And if we like, if we lower that bar, if we lower it at all, that means that the people who are like making the decisions there have lowered it themselves. Right. And they have screwed up in ways that allow us and tell us to, or indicate to us. Yeah. You could probably lower it a little bit, lower those expectations just a little bit. Right. It's why people blew up when Darvin Ham gave that stupid quote earlier this year where he was like, I really wish we wouldn't live and die with every win and loss. I'm told that the, 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 the Lakers leadership and ownership heard that and was like, Whoa, that is not a message that we are sending here, sir. We need their passion. Jeannie bus specifically needs us to be this passionate about the team that she owns because she lives off of that passion. She profits off of that passion and it's provided her a pretty damn nice life, nice lifestyle. So yeah, I, I, I know that we are spoiled. I know we're petulant. I know we're probably really difficult to live with, but you got to, because you made us. 
Um, the next question I have, I'm going to go back and forth here. So that's a, that was a great question from Zangerstein. I really like it. I really enjoyed answering that one. Um, let's go with the first question I find here. All right, here we go. Uh, from Philip. Who would you surround a core of uh, Braun, AD, and Trey Young with, assuming only Vando was left after we trade for someone like Trey? So, all right, I'm going to pull up what uh, Trey's contract is at and, you know, just to get a sense for what you would have to trade to get him. Trey Young is right now making 40 million bucks and um, the, you know, so that would mean... All right, you, they're they're going to ask for Austin Reeves, and uh, you're probably going to have to also give up Rui. That is twenty seven million bucks. So you probably have to give up somebody else. Um, might even be Jared Vanderbilt because his extension kicks in uh, next season, and uh, you know those three contracts would come together to be worth, or at least I mathematically allow the trade to to, to happen, and um. I don't know. Like, would you, in terms of just minutes on a basketball court, I don't know. I, I personally, you guys have heard me talk about Trey Young. You've heard me talk about what it's like to play with Trey Young and what, uh, you know, people around the league, how they feel about Trey Young. And um, I personally am not interested in bringing in Trey Young. I, I'm just not, you know. Um, I know that the Lakers are. I know that Clutch is. I know that LeBron is because of the, the whole Clutch connection. But personally, I would, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really on board with bringing in Trey Young. Um, if you have to, and if you have, you know, that kind of a group, you have to get better on the wing because you need to, you know, present a good point of attack defender to make up for Trey Young defensively. Um, Trey's going to help you with spacing, uh, even though he isn't, he doesn't love not having the ball and could be better in terms of like off ball spacing. Um, but you know, you could, he be with, because of the gravity that he presents, you could, uh, theoretically have like one non floor spacer on the, on the court. So that gives you some flexibility with that, um, point of attack defender. For example, I would still want another, you know, athletic wing because I don't think LeBron next season will be you know, kind of physically capable of keeping up with small forwards next year. I think, you know, he already basically is like a, you know, just basically a, a, a power forward and at times a small ball center. Um, having him as, you know, a, a perimeter defender is just not, I think, a very sustainable path forward for him. So I think you, you need another, you know, a perimeter oriented wing out there. And then, uh, you know, you, you see what kind of bench you can put together with uh, very few resources and, and, and you have a very top heavy roster. So again, I'm, it's a little different when you're talking about Donovan Mitchell, there's less out there about Donovan as there is about Trey young. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of the same stuff that I was talking about can be applied to, to Donovan Mitchell in terms of roster building and, and, uh, you know, roster priorities prior to prioritization um in 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 uh you know making up for his uh, deficiencies and maximizing his uh, capabilities all right the next question i have here from twitter dodgers ryan asks sexiest laker ever uh 
Um, <laughs> not something I normally pay much attention to. So, you know what? I mean, this is an obvious answer, but the sexiest game to like, like in terms of like the like beauty of game art, art full game, artistic game um, is like, you know, a tie between Kobe and magic, right? Kobe in terms of uh, individualistic, like individualism and, and, and ability to just kind of do things with a basketball and scoring the basketball that, you know, you, you frankly just don't ever see anymore. And you have rarely seen before him. And then magic for the way that he could run a break and his, and his, uh, you know, his, his creativity and getting others involved and what he did for the game and, and helping it evolve around the fast break and, and that type of artfulness. Uh, those are the two kind of sexiest games that I've ever seen. Um, I do know that my mom had a big old crush on Rick Fox, you know, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll say Rick Fox. Um, the next one that I have here, um, from JP, Anthony, do you see rotation? Uh, who, do you see rotations when Rando Vettish, uh and Vincent return? Whose minutes get reduced? Basically, uh, got a few versions of this question, so I'm going to go ahead and skip those uh, from from here on out. But yeah, I would say that you know you basically you have your starting five, right? Uh, which I think is going to be the starting five for the rest of the season, injuries notwithstanding, with D'Lo, Austin, Rui, LeBron, and AD, and. Uh, then you basically have three spots, three or four spots, right? If you really want to push it, you're going to need a backup center there. So it's probably Christian Wood. Um, obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be the sixth man um, who comes in for whoever needs a, a quick breather coming out of the first quarter or that first uh, sub. So there's two of those four. Then, um, you know, if Vando is healthy, which I don't think he is going to be, but if he is healthy, he would be in there as like your your you know eighth guy who is kind of another super sub who comes in and and quiets opposing defenses and then you know you, you, is Gabe coming back? I don't I don't really think so. He had surgery this year and I I don't really like relying on guys who had surgery in the same season. So I don't really think you can rely on him unless I'm blanking on anybody. I would probably say Max is like the ninth guy that I would trust there. Um, and even nine is a very deep playoff rotation. A lot of times coaches will go with eight guy rotations. I've seen, I know we've seen Darvin Ham go with 10 man playoff rotations, but I would hope he learned from that because that hurt them last year. So I would, uh, th those are probably the, the eight or the nine guys that I would go with. You can make a case for cam, but if you have Vando, you don't need camp. And if you don't have Vando, then you can, uh, you can swap Cam in there for him. Um, I, I think Dinwiddie is more than enough off the bench creativity, so you don't need a Gabe in there basically at all. You could say maybe Jackson Hayes, or if for some miraculous reason Andre Drummond gets bought out. We just saw DeLon Wright get bought out and get picked up by Miami. That was a surprise, right? So um, maybe if the Lakers do some back channeling and they, they basically talk to Drummond's people and somehow get him to convince the bulls to, uh, you know, buy him out and he comes, then obviously you swap him for, I would say Christian Wood, or, you know, 
you know, you, you make that rotation work or whatever, but that's, that's kind of the, the group that I would, that I would go with. Um, let's see along that same, uh, line, uh, J.R. Smith range asks if Vando does come back, what's the ceiling for this Lakers team? I think it's still a team that can get you to the Western conference finals, depending on who you play there. Like if somehow, some way the nuggets get knocked off, then I think you can make it to the finals. And I would take that team, uh, at least to compete with, if not beat anybody that they would see when they got there. The next question that I'm going to find here from the YouTube comments is <laughs> this is a fair concern. Christian Navarro. I'm worried that the Lakers are going to relax too much when they come back. Like after the in season tournament, we've seen them take things for granted. And I would say that, um, that also had like the starting point of that. I thought was the coaching when they went right back to trying to be like overly skilled and too small and went away from the guys that, you know, helped win that in season tournament. Um, so I would hope that the coaching staff learns from it. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, let's go with, I love seeing this. This is great. I love seeing you guys shout each other out in the comments. It means that this community is building. I love seeing that. So Schmidt key, I, I don't know, uh, who I guess Andrew F like you guys are going back and forth. I, I love seeing that so long as it's productive and it doesn't stay mean, it doesn't get mean. Um, Let's see. 80 is one of the few stars you could pair Trey with and get a championship caliber team. I would agree with that. I would agree that like, if you have somebody as bad defensively as Trey has been in his career, you need somebody like Anthony Davis to clean up for that. But you know, the only concern there would be, you know, if he and Trey young pair together for the next like five, six years, eventually you're going to see a bit of a drop off athletically for Anthony Davis. And as he drops off that defense really becomes, you know, kind of, you know, makes me a little nervous. Um, is there a team? This is from Vegas Dev. Is there a team that you think can actually beat the Nuggets? God, I don't think so. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I, I. I wish I could feel different. I just think they're in a class of themselves. When they really, you know, when they go to their playoff rotation, and when Jokic is really you know, uh, engaged and disciplined and the rest of the guys on that roster are engaged and disciplined. I just think that's a, like, that's the best team in the NBA. Um, I do think they're worse than last year. So there's a little less margin for error, uh, because they don't have Bruce Brown. And, and I don't think like Christian Brown has, has filled that role in the way that, um, people there in Denver were hoping. And I know people have high hopes for like Peyton Watson, but he's unproven um, so I think you kind of miss like some of J Jeff Green's um, experience there, but that starting five and that finishing five of Jamal Murray, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, um, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and, and Nikola Jokic—that's the best lineup in the NBA. And you know, essentially, the question for every team going into that is: Do you have a lineup that you are comfortable matches up well with that group and can actually outscore them when when it needs to, or? at least play them even if you have a lead going into those clutch minutes. Um, and I think the vast majority of teams out there can't confidently say they, they do have a lineup as good as that group is. So yeah, as, of, as it stands right now, I, I, you know, I would, I had, I, I would bet on the Nuggets to still win a championship this year as difficult as it is to compete to, to, uh, 
to defend a championship and go back to back. That's, that's, that's a lot to ask for. Um, so I answered that one already. Ooh, all right. So, uh, KRV 22 from Twitter asks, uh, does ham get fired in the off season? Even if we, if we say they make it to the second round. So if you win a, a chance, a, a playoff series, is that enough? Well, it would be a step back, right? You won two playoff series last year. And I would say between some of the vibes this year, um, some of the unnecessary drama that was caused by Darvin Ham's decision-making. I, I personally would fire him if you only won one playoff series with him. Uh, also depends on how you lose that second series. Um, but, you know, I, the bigger question is, do I think the Lakers would fire him? And I don't believe so. Not right now. Not if he wins a playoff series. If you don't win a playoff series or if you don't make the playoffs or anything like that, he's gone, period. If you do win a playoff series and if you lose close in the second one, in the second round, I think that probably saves him. If he gets swept in the second round, then he probably is, is, is you know, his seat gets really hot. If you lose in the first round, he's gone. If you don't make it to the first round, he's gone, gone. So that's that's probably how I would um, do the math there. Um, let's see, getting more of those questions about uh, playoff rotations. So, um, you know, LakerCon answered this already, or I did already. Would we have to give up Reeves to get Trey or Mitchell? Probably, I would say. Uh, that's the, you know, if teams were asking for him for DeJounte Murray, they're going to ask for him for better players than DeJounte Murray. So I would imagine that you would probably have to trade Austin Reeves for those guys. And, and I believe the Lakers would trade Austin for, you know, players of that caliber. Um, let's go with George, uh, Santiago. How much continuity are you willing to give up on trading for an all-star or an all-NBA player? Which players are you going to keep um, as much as possible for that? Well, I think it starts with Austin. His deal is so valuable that I would still focus on keeping him as best you can, even though I think it gets really difficult to do so. Um, and then it just depends on the star. Like, I understand the interest in Trey Young. I understand the interest in Donovan Mitchell. I think both of those guys would really help. Donovan Mitchell has played great basketball this year, uh, like underratedly great. I, I can't believe there isn't more buzz about the way that Donovan has, has played this season. And, uh, you know, if you bring him in and you pair him with Anthony Davis, that is a core that you could really do some exciting things with moving forward. So I get that. Personally, if it costs less, I would rather go out and get Mikha uh, Mikhail Bridges than either of those guards. Uh, both Trey and Donovan are smaller guards, and I don't know how those guys are. Uh, no, they can both shoot, so I think it's going to help with how both of those guys age. But, you know, as they slip at all athletically, you've seen what Damian Lillard has looked like on defense this year. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily want to ask an aging Anthony Davis to make up for, for those types of players as his career goes along. So I, I personally would prefer to bring in bridges over those guys, Mikhail bridges, to be absolutely clear. Um, but I'm probably in the minority uh, in that regard. Uh, let's go with the next question here from um, 
let's see. <laughs> go go live sports asks, will I ever go letting will I ever get over the Lakers letting Alex Caruso walk? No. I don't I can't believe anybody would get over that. Like that was such a it was such organizational failure that like I can't believe anybody would be like, well, shucks. I guess we'll all move on. Uh, I, I that's that's just not how I'm wired. Um all right, let's go to the next one here. <laughs> so, yeah, while I was talking about sexiest uh, Lakers, we got Rick Fox. We got another Rick Fox. We got uh, D'Lo is pretty hot. We got Rick Fox again. Um, <laughs> and Chris Kamen. <laughs> that, that's, you know what, screw it. That's the... Uh, that's the uh, winner for me. Dylan with a super comment, which means... Nice dodge, Anthony. You know, I'm trying. I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't know what I dodged there, but um, I, I did indeed do dodge something. Your take on uh, Chucky Goldstein, your take on drafting Brawny. So it depends on the spot. Um, one thing that I'm going to be, and I've already kind of started asking around about, and I'll hopefully have an answer for you on the other side of this weekend. But one thing that I kind of wondered um, as the trade deadline was taking place is you know, normally the Lakers are so okay with trading away second rounders that, um, you know, because they know that they're just going to buy one in the upcoming draft, right? That's how they got Max Christie. They, they bought into like the 32nd pick, I believe is what they used on Christie. And, um, and like, because of that, they know that they can just get another one. They trade them away all the time. And the fact that they didn't this year was so out of the norm. It, it felt so weird to me that I I've kind of wondered if some of the math that went into that was that they wanted to carry as much second round draft capital, um, as they possibly can for this upcoming draft, because I think that's the likeliest spot that Brandy gets Bronny gets drafted. And, uh, you know, we got that report from the athletic over the weekend that the Lakers are open to positioning themselves for drafting Bronny. I have heard that all season as well, that, uh, I don't think the Lakers relationship with LeBron is so openly combative that they would tell him, no, we are not drafting your son under any circumstances. Um, and I think that like, I think they would like to usher in kind of the next James era. If, if Bronny is indeed really, really good. I, I have my questions about him. I think he's a little small for, um, you know, kind of the lack of skill that he can sometimes displays, but you know, I understand why the Lakers would want to draft him, and I am open. I like, I also am open to drafting him. If it, if it, you know, if it appeases LeBron and it helps that relationship move in a more productive um, direction, that makes perfect sense to me. So I would, I would, you know, if it's, if you aren't reaching crazy high and the Lakers can't reach crazy high because they don't have first round draft capital, I believe. And unless uh, new Orleans elects to take the 25 pick instead of this year's pick. Um, I don't know if I would use a first rounder on him. I just don't think he's that good right now. The, the, the Lakers first rounder would probably be just outside of the lottery this year depending on how the second half of the season goes. And I don't know if he's like a, a near lottery pick. So maybe they trade back and maybe they take him later in the draft. Um, I could also see clutch 
basically telling teams not to draft him um, and helping him fall to the Lakers early in the second if they can buy into you know an early second round draft pick again. And um, and also, look, I think the risk here is some team reaches for Bronny, takes him a little higher than the Lakers anticipate with the notion of, hey, LeBron, we got your son. You come play here with us and help us sell some of your jerseys next year and help us sell some tickets next year. Um, it, like if I were if I were some small market team, that's what I would probably do just to give me give myself a chance at employing LeBron that I wouldn't otherwise have. So I think you're going to have a lot of that going on as well. Um, all right, I'm going to answer one more question here, and it comes from a VIP member. By the way, I checked into the VIP list, right? VIP list for the lounge, and it is almost big enough to where I would feel comfortable sending the internal link. So essentially what I'm going to do is for future happy hours, I, I'd host this over StreamYard, and what I would do is I would send the StreamYard link, which allows you to come onto the stage. I would put that there for all of the lounge VIPs. And I think it's only like $2.99 a month or something like that. So you would be able to come up on stage on these episodes of the ha you know happy hours every Friday. If you have if you have availability, you can come on up here and you can chat with me. You can sit with me for the duration of the show. If you want to sit with me for the duration of the show. If you want to come on and just ask a question, you can come on, ask a question and get out of here. Whatever it is that you want to do, um, you know, it, it makes my job a little more difficult because I would have to do production while, you know, while I'm hosting. But it's I've done it before. I would do it again. And if we get, I would say like five or six more. We are really, really close to um, being able to do this. And I really look forward to hopefully doing it next week. Um, so if you sign up, you know, for, uh, you know, being a lounge VIP as uh, KR Swish is here, you'd be able to come up on stage. I believe KR Swish has been up on stage with, with me here before, and I look forward to being able to do that pretty, pretty soon again. At the very least, subscribe. I think that's a fair, fair balance. All right. Um, KR Swish asks, I don't know if you've already answered this, but is there a realistic possibility that LeBron might pair up with Steph this offseason? So Jake Fisher said on the no cap um, podcast or no, no cap room podcast that he thinks that there is um, some there's there, there, you know, there is some in the league who really believe I'm going to make sure I have this right. I'm going to pull this up so that <clears throat> I get his uh, actual quote here correctly. So Jake Fisher, again, of Yahoo sports, he said this on the no cap room podcast. Um, hashtag uh, hat tip to uh, my former employer. I, without a doubt, believe there's the chance that this happens this summer. A lot of what's going on and happen this offseason will dependent uh, will be dependent on first round, second round flameouts, and what have you. If Atlanta and what happens with Trey Young and Dejounte Murray uh, is one of the buzziest situations, oh, could Trey become available? Type things. That's probably number two behind will LeBron in that player option year decide to potentially leave the Lakers? End quote. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Jake doesn't have good information. I'm not. He's a friend of mine. I know his information is good. I know how much work goes into um, the information that he provides. So I'm not going to just cast it aside. Um, what I will say, though, is that the Lakers are 
very, very confident that LeBron wants to retire a Laker. The Lakers want him to retire a Laker. Um, and I also think LeBron, in terms of like just pride here, he's done that thing before where he went and paired up with kind of the closest thing to appear in his generation with Dwayne, and he caught all kinds of shit for it. I don't think he wants to go to Steph Curry's team. So I think that's a factor here. So I personally would be shocked if he and Steph paired up in Golden State this summer. I also don't see the Warriors trading Steph Curry anytime soon, so I don't see Steph coming to the Lakers. But um, what I will say, though, is that uh, that player option does have a, a shadow cast over this offseason, and I do think the Lakers have to take that very seriously. I think it's worth noting that teams are, you know, do feel confident enough to like to have ownership contact Lakers ownership about LeBron James um, that, you know, like, like I said, like, I don't think Jeannie would reach out <clears throat> to Spurs ownership about Wemby. Right. I don't think, um, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, worry, the Warriors ownership would reach out to the Bucks ownership and ask for Giannis. Right. Uh, so like, I think there was enough noise out there and enough frustration on LeBron's part because of some of the decisions that the Lakers have made that, uh, you know, teams feel confident enough to call the Lakers about it. And I think that's worth noting, but still I would be just absolutely shocked if LeBron leaves the Lakers to go up and play on Steph Curry's team. That just, I don't think that's how he wants to end his career. All right. Uh, that is probably going to do it for this episode. Um, as I start to feel my, my throat kind of getting a little tired here, my, my voice getting a little tired. Um, and I am going to enjoy this all-star weekend, hopefully rest up so I can stop dealing with this as we get later into the season. Um, so that is going to do it though. Thank you a ton. Everybody who listened, everybody who sent questions, everybody who sent super comments, all of that. I really appreciate it. Subscribe. Wherever you get your podcasts, preferably Odyssey. Um, so subscribe on YouTube. If you can subscribe on YouTube and you want to watch these things live there. Um, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your weekend. Make somebody else's. And I will talk to you on Sunday, I believe, unless something crazy happens over the weekend. Have a good one, everybody.